0: Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. We are one church that meets in various locations across Greater Manchester. For more information about who we are and where we meet, please visit ChristchurchManchester.com. To so kick us off today, I want us to cast our minds back to, to the late 90s, uh, early 2000s for a moment. And I want us to focus on, on one of the world's most significant locations at that time. That's right, I want to take us to Stockport, my hometown. <laughs> but, but anyway, all, all joking aside, um, around that time in Stockport, there, there was a, a lot of heavy stuff going on, uh, as there was and is in, in many other parts of the country as well. Uh, I'm talking about issues like like addiction, addiction to to hard drugs such as heroin and crack cocaine, along with alcoholism and crime and homelessness and and poor mental health. And there would be a lot of people uh, with all these issues rolled into one. My dad was was acutely aware uh, of these issues and the state that a lot of people in Stockport were in. Uh, he was aware in part through uh, family members he knew who were struggling with these issues, along with other people in the area that he just knew of struggling with these things. And he'd often just bump into people on the street that were really struggling with these issues. And my dad's a Christian, and he felt he couldn't just sit back without taking action where, when there was such a need in the area. He saw that there was, there was a great need, And he wanted to do what he could to be part of that process of providing for that need. There were lots of broken people that that he wanted to see reached with the good news of Jesus Christ. He he wanted people to experience God's forgiveness. And he wanted their whole lives to be miraculously transformed by the, the hope of the gospel so that they could know hope and freedom and breakthrough. Uh, These people that he was trying to reach were not in any way naturally going to just stumble into church. They were not going to find themselves anywhere near a church, in fact. So my dad wanted to do something that was going to meet these people where they were at, providing spiritual and practical help, and aiming to to move people forward on on a journey towards meeting Jesus. So so he had this vision, uh, along with a few other people, to to set up an outreach centre uh, which was called The Stepping Stone, to, to tackle these issues. So they set the, the charity up, and they managed to get a building that they were renting uh, right in the middle of Stockport. Uh, and they opened this outreach centre back in, in May 2000. But, but suddenly a big obstacle came up. Uh, after the outreach centre, I mean, they'd been working on it for a few months, renovating it. And after a week of being open, uh, they got a, a letter with an eviction notice served on the charity. And the thing is, the charity had been... They'd been paying the rent to the landlord, but the landlord then hadn't been paying the mortgage with the money he was getting, uh, and he'd just got off somewhere. Uh, So the charity, it was in a bad situation, uh, but the the team, they believed it was the right thing for the charity to be where it was, right in the middle of Stockport. Uh, So what happened next is, the bank sent a businessman down to the building, and, and he said... We're going to sell the building, but since you're in it anyway, we'll give you first opportunity. Um, Do you want the first chance to buy it? So my dad said, yeah, we'll we'll buy the building. But what he didn't say is that they didn't have any money. Um, I mean, they they had two grand in the bank just to keep the charity afloat, but they really didn't have uh, any money to be buying a building with. Uh, The bank said, uh, we're selling the building for 50 grand, uh, which was quite a lot back then. Uh, And my dad responded by saying, well, we were thinking more in the region of of 30 grand. Uh, But he still didn't mention that they only had two grand. Um, The bank then said, we'll we'll meet you halfway and we'll sell it for 40 grand. But you've got to get us the money in six to eight weeks. So that was, was an intense time frame. But the team had prayed a lot and really believed that God was in the situation with them my dad, he got up at the front of his church and he presented the situation to the congregation. And then firstly, there was a businessman that had just had a big deal come through and had some money coming through. And he wanted to use the money uh, towards God's work. So he gave 10 grand uh, towards the building. A couple of other people then, then gave five grand each. But, but mostly what happened is that ordinary people who weren't particularly wealthy just gave what they had. Uh, They brought the little that they had before God and put it into his hands. People gave £10, £20, normal amounts like that. Some people's giving was a bit like the the widow in the temple who just had one small coin and gave that, all that she had. And somehow money was just flooding towards the charity uh, through God just taking these small amounts people were giving and, and using it for his purposes. Then eventually, around 11 weeks after the initial deadline, 41.5 grand had come in in total. So this gave the charity enough money to buy the building and also pay for the solicitor's fees. It had been quite a journey, but they were now actually in a better situation than they were beforehand. They now they owned the building outright and didn't have rent to pay. And the building would go on to be... Uh, Quite integral to to the work that the charity did right in the middle of Stockport. And owning that building, it it only came about through God's grace. But that grace had worked through the small amounts that other people had given, that other people had put into God's hands. And ultimately, God provided it in a powerful way. And he multiplied the small amount that, that the charity had initially brought to God. And he used it to bring about that breakthrough. And there's a passage in the Bible that we're going to look at that I think has something similar to say about God's provision and multiplication. So I'm going to read the passage, which is John chapter 6, verses 1 to 14, if you want to follow along in your Bibles. Uh, Just a reminder, we're in our Portrait of Jesus series here at the evening service, uh, looking at the Gospel of John and, and who Jesus is. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him, because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his, of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they all had had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. So the miracle that we've just read about, is actually it's the only miracle, apart from the resurrection, uh, to be recorded in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. So all four gospel writers, they wanted to emphasise to us that Jesus is the one who conquers death and all four gospel writers wanted to emphasise that Jesus is the one who miraculously provides for our needs. And we read 5,000 men were fed. Commentators actually think that if you were to include women and children in the figures, it's possible it may have even been towards 20,000 people who were fed in this passage. And fundamentally, this passage, it's, it's about Jesus. It's about who he is. John, through the whole gospel, is painting a picture for us, showing us what Jesus is like. So there's three points that I believe we can see in this passage that I want to focus on today. And those three points are how Jesus wants to provide, Jesus works with us to provide, and Jesus is able to provide. So firstly... Jesus wants to provide. So Jesus has these big crowds coming towards him, following him, and he's got all this public attention. But what he's concerned with in this situation where the crowds are coming to him is is pretty significant. And it's probably quite a contrast to what people's priorities usually are when they have a load of public attention and when crowds are following them. You know, I think these days, people with public attention, you know, celebrities are the obvious example of that, and I think a scenario we often see in our culture is where there's a celebrity, for example, that has a huge crowd following them, and we often see fans kind of chasing after them, uh, trying to find out a bit more about their their favourite celebrity and get this real-life encounter, but usually... The celebrity is kind of frantically walking in the opposite direction with their head down and trying to get away as fast as they can. And they might have a, a personal assistant with them that they're saying, get the car here as soon as possible and, and just get me away from this crowd. But just imagine for a moment if, if a celebrity, rather than seeing the crowd as a, as a group to avoid, actually saw them as a group to provide for, to, to look after. Imagine if that celebrity, rather than saying to their assistant, get me away from this crowd, were to say to their assistant, can you get a load of sandwiches delivered here, enough to feed everyone in the crowd? I think we'd be a bit taken back, wouldn't we? But when Jesus was faced with this large crowd, it seems that the phrase at the forefront of his mind was not avoid them, but was provide for them. Jesus didn't treat the crowd as a nuisance, Jesus was concerned for them and he wanted to provide for them. He responded to the crowd coming towards him with this question in verse 5. Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Whether or not the crowd's needs should be met, it just—it wasn't up for discussion, it was a given that they were going to provide for the crowd. And of course a crucial question thing to note in that comparison I just made is that Jesus isn't a celebrity living for public attention. He's, he's the servant king who's marked by compassion, grace, and generosity. And, what, and we're called to be like Jesus. That's, that's at the centre of being a Christian. And if Jesus wants to provide for the needs of the world, then we should also want to provide for the needs of the world. Jesus saw the crowds and he chose to provide for them. It's worth asking ourselves, is there, is there a crowd? Is there a group near us that, that we're trying to avoid that we need to change our perspective about? Do we need to look at the need that there is in the crowd and, and seek to bring God's provision to it? And the, the thing is, there is just so much need out there. You know, there's, there's the big picture stuff, like Tom spoke about a couple of weeks ago, the global poverty and injustice. And then there's just the, the individuals that we'll all encounter that, are just facing really painful personal situations. And our natural inclination, it might be to respond the way that Andrew and Philip did, to just be overwhelmed by the need and highlight how difficult it would be to try and provide for that need. But we need to join with Jesus and have the same starting point as him, which is this posture of compassion towards the people. It's love and concern for people's needs. Jesus takes responsibility for people's needs. He doesn't say, that's not my problem. Understanding Jesus' heart, that he cares for people and he wants to provide, is an important foundation for us to have. Because no matter what our current situation is, we can be certain that Jesus is concerned for our situation. And our God provides for us. And that process of waiting for God's provision... It might be filled with a lot of pain, uncertainty and and confusion when we just don't see anything working out. But our God provides for us and our foundation for knowing that is that Jesus wants to provide for his people. And secondly, Jesus works with us to provide. God works in, in partnership with humanity. And from the beginning of the Bible, um, the book of Genesis even, we can see that God has always wanted to work with humans. He wants to partner with us and work alongside us. Faith is, is not passive, it's, it's active, it's proactive. And we're called to join with Jesus in his concern for people and participate in what he's doing to provide for people. A lot of the time, our human action and obedience, it isn't really anything Special at all in and of itself, but God's God's divine power transforms our human action, whatever we bring before God. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 27 says, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. At times God does intervene miraculously or he might choose to work through something a bit more normal. And even when God does work miraculously, he'll often take something normal that we bring before him, something mundane, and and he'll transform it like he did in this passage with the loaves and the the two fish. Jesus works with us, but he actually works with us where we're at, with whatever situation we're in and whatever we're able to bring before him. And that's going to be different for each of us. There's, There's nothing impressive about what was brought to Jesus in this passage, the five loaves and two fish, but, but Jesus still worked with it. Jesus uses things that, that you wouldn't expect him to use. Jesus is the king, he's God's chosen one, the one who's, who's coming to set all things right and here he is paying attention to a young lad's packed lunch and he's feeding 5,000 people through it. And, you know, when that young lad saw this miracle, you know, he might have been thinking, "Blinking Neck, how has my packed lunch been used in God's purposes? But, you know, verse 9, it specifies that the loaves of bread that the young lad had, they were barley loaves, and commentators think that barley loaves were probably what poorer people would be eating. It was a very normal meal. There was nothing fancy about it. Jesus works with what you bring to him, no matter what your background or your situation is. And something to note is that it was actually Andrew that first mentioned the young lad's loaves and fishes. I think there must have been something going on with Andrew here. He could see how big the crowd was, but he still thought that two barley loaves and two small fish were worth mentioning to Jesus. He didn't see the great need as something that would ultimately be be too much of a barrier that it would stop Jesus from working in the situation. By mentioning the loaves and the fish, it seems like Andrew had been around Jesus long enough to get a glimpse of the way that Jesus does things. He's learned that Jesus, he approaches situations from, from a completely different starting point to everyone else. And you might be sat here right now even, and you might just feel very distant from God, you might not, not feel that spiritual. Approaching God, let alone joining in with God's work, might just feel like something that you can't do at the moment. But Jesus will he'll work with you where you're at. You can just say to him, here I am, Lord. You see how it is. Please work with me where I'm at. In verses 10 and 12, we see Jesus give clear direct instructions to those around him about what they should do with with the loaves and fishes. Jesus decisively, he takes charge of the situation and says, trust me and and let me be your Lord. To receive God's power and and provision, we have to accept his authority over us. To partner with God and, and work with him to provide for all the needs that there are around us, again, we have to accept the authority of Jesus. We have to realise that Jesus himself is, is true wisdom and that, that what he says we should do is always going to be what is best to do. Jesus wants to partner with us to provide for others. It's the second of our, our Give Big Sundays, as we've been saying, and you know, the works that we're giving to are examples of how God wants to involve us in, in that process of meeting human need. He doesn't just solve things from a distance. He, he works through his people a lot of the time. We need to look to God for our provision and acknowledge that everything comes from him. But we also need to look at what God has already given us and work with it, no matter how small it seems. Has God already given us five loaves and two fish that we need to thank him for and ask him to use? Because God can multiply the little that we have. Maybe there are some acts of faith-filled obedience that we need to take, This process of going to God with the little that we have reminds us that God is the ultimate provider, but also that God wants to work through us. That combination of the little we have, obedience, and the power of God can lead to supernatural breakthrough and provision. So finally, Jesus is able to provide. Jesus is able to provide because although he's fully human and and he walked on this earth with his disciples, eating bread and fish himself, feeling hunger himself, he is also fully God. The Gospel of John begins by telling us this. The one who is the source of all life and goodness and beauty became a human being and walked on this earth. So Jesus is divine. He's all-powerful and all-knowing. And this gave him the power that he had to to miraculously provide. Yeah, Jesus embraces his humanity and shares in our human experience. But he's also deeply secure in his, his divinity, his power, and, and his authority. And this man, he wasn't, he wasn't at all phased by or flustered by the, the apparent limitations that were in front of him. No, he was, he was clear and confident in what he was going to do and how he was going to do it. As verses 5 and 6 tell us, Jesus knew what he was intending to do, even as he was asking the question, what shall we do? Jesus didn't panic or catastrophize. He, he looked at what he already had and he took action. He thanked God for what he already had. And in the midst of the, this messy, broken, imperfect, lost world that we're in, Jesus has in mind what he's going to do. He's not lost track of where he's up to, and he's not taken by surprise by anything. <laughs> Jesus is able to, to provide, and, and through the whole gospel, we see him providing for people in many ways, and, and this is part of Jesus' character. He is our heavenly provider, and if Jesus is divine, if Jesus is able to provide, then he's able to provide solutions. He's able to provide hope and, and relief. Yeah, relief from hunger, but also relief from pain. And Jesus, he has been providing that relief from pain to people throughout the whole gospel. And a lot of that provision um, has been what's been getting people's attention in the first place. Verse 2 tells us that the reason the crowds were following him was because Jesus had been healing people. He was providing for the many needs around him not just for food, but for healing as well. And in healing the sick, Jesus has been pushing back against, against the brokenness of, of creation. He's been fighting against the damage that has been done to creation by our sin. And this has been getting people's attention, causing people to follow Jesus around like they are. Isaiah 53 verse 4 is an Old Testament prophecy about Jesus, and it says, He himself bore our sins, uh, he himself bore our sicknesses, and he carried our pains. The Jewish people of Jesus' day may have been seeing Jesus healing the sick and saw that he was fulfilling this this prophecy from Isaiah. This might have shown the Jewish people who Jesus was, that he was God's chosen servant that Isaiah had prophesied about. We need to look to Jesus as as the only one who can truly and ultimately provide for for all our needs. And we need to be comforted again by, by the fact that Jesus wants to provide for us out of his compassion, love, grace and mercy. When others might focus on what we deserve, Jesus focuses on what we need. We don't deserve God's provision, but we certainly need it. Jesus isn't limited by resources. He can lavishly provide. And this got through to people. It made them see he is the one who can truly provide for us. Jesus fed the people and they were all satisfied. I think there could be some different ways for us to, to respond to this passage. I think some of us just might need a, a deeper revelation of Christ's compassion and concern for those in need. And we might need that compassion to to take deeper root in our lives so that we relate to people, relate to the crowds, the way that Jesus did, with that starting point of compassion, that awareness of needs. And some of us might just need to receive some hope. Some of us are in really tough situations where, where there's just a load of need, and, and the needs don't seem to be being met. There don't seem to be any solutions. And the situations just seem impossible. But I think we need to be encouraged that, that Jesus is all powerful and completely in control and able to provide for our needs. And He wants to provide for our needs, whatever they are.
1: Thanks for listening.
0: Christchurch Manchester is one church that meets in various locations across Greater Manchester. To explore this sermon or learn more about our church, please navigate to the links provided in this podcast description. From there, you can connect with us on social media. And you're welcome to check out the music links featured in this episode from our very own musicians. You can also discover current events and information about where we meet on Sundays and various groups or community projects that you can join in with. If you're interested in knowing more about us or wish to join us for one of our meetings, please reach out. Simply drop us an email at hello at ccn.org.uk. We look forward to connecting with you.